0: What's up, y'all? I'm filmmaker Justin Simeon, and welcome to another episode of Don't At Me, my podcast where we go beyond the knee-jerk reactions with emerging culture makers. I don't know why I put dramatic pauses. It's like I'm trying to be a rapper, but I'm not because the words aren't rhyming. In this episode, I'm going to talk to who I honestly think is the funniest woman on the planet. She's an actor, comedian and literal Dear White People writer and star, to Haley Hall.
1: I started to realize that I was putting people on pedestals. Like, I was like, Jordan is high. Ava's too high. I'm low. Like, I was doing that. And I was like, no, I am a, a person of worth. Like, whether or not I have this job or what have you, I still have value. And it took me, like, I had to, like, really kind of remember the tenets of that even though i was practicing it i wasn't actually living it in my own life and spirit
0: today we are going to talk about buddhism waiting on jordan peele and getting out of our shame cycles it's 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 a lot but i think you're gonna enjoy it stay tuned All right, welcome back, Culture Machines, for another episode of Don't At Me. I am your host, filmmaker Justin Simeon. And with me today, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation uh, between me and a longtime friend and colleague, Haley Hall. She is, I think, maybe the funniest person I know. Um, she's a comedian and actress. Haley, you can't react because this is supposed to, you're supposed to be backstage technically right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Haley is a comedian. She's an actress. She's a part of the Dear White People family. You might know her as Dorica um, from every season of Dear White People so far. And you're going to get more of Dorica in season four. And she's also uh, been writing on the upcoming fourth season. So really, really excited to talk to Haley. But before we get into that, I wanted to introduce a new section of the top of our podcast. Um, you know, Culture Machine, which is my production company, it lives on Instagram, it lives on Facebook. It's a vibrant community of people trying to break into the industry. And um, at the top of this podcast, I'm going to answer uh, a question uh, from that community. If you want to ask a question, uh, hit us up on our Instagram and particularly our Facebook uh, page. Uh, it's Again, it's called Culture Community Um we should probably re-record that part because I'm not saying anything that's helpful to anyone right now. I don't even think those are the right things that they're called. But it's like so, let me see Instagram. It's it's um it's culture machine, but it's spelled weird. Brendan, will you tell the children where to go? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, if you have a question for Justin or any of your industry questions, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Machine. Uh, it's C-U-L-T-U-R-E-M-A-C-H-I dot N-E that between uh, before any. And then on Facebook at Culture Community. Yeah. And Culture Community, I think it's under my like Facebook page which is D-I-R, Justin Simeon. D-I-R is for director. You know, we made this really easy um, for inconvenient (laughs) for everyone, and that's what I want to stress. Anyway, this question (laughs) comes from Ebony Jordan. And she says, hey, Justin, I love you for connecting with us like this. I would like some advice on film school, specifically Dodge College at Chapman U. That's my alma mater. I'm 31 with two daughters, so I'm considered a non-traditional student. I'm headed there this fall for the screenwriting BFA program. It's expensive AF. (laughs) <laughs> True. Do you have any advice on how I can make the best out of this opportunity as a black student in a predominantly white environment? You did it and you're successful and you being an alumni there was a huge factor in my decision to get my education there. Uh, wow, well, thank you so much, Ebony. Um, I appreciate you saying all of that. And I, I trust that Chapman will be sending me, you know, some kind of check uh, for sending you there. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but um, that'd be cool. uh, And I just wanted to say, you know, look, First of all, the fact that you're a mother of two going in there to get your BFA in screenwriting, there are so many things I need to learn from you, okay? <laughs> you have your stuff together. Good for you. Um, you know, make the best out of this opportunity. Don't follow anybody's rules. Don't, don't feel bound by the rules of the industry or what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Follow your instincts. You have something to say, Um that nobody else can speak to, especially there right now. Um, you have a perspective that is yours and yours alone. And I just encourage you to use the time there not only to learn but to Try things. Experiment. Produce as much as you can, uh, whether that is, you know, screenplays or if you want to try your hand at shooting something, just get in there and use this time um, to make an experiment and do all the things that are really hard to do uh, when you're out in the industry actually working for a living uh, and have a lot of fun. And don't doubt your true instincts. OK, that's what we actually need from you. All right. So having said all of that to Haley, welcome.
1: What, what? Yes, Justin. Do you have anything
0: you want to say to Ebony before we get started? Yes, I
1: was going to say, can I talk to Ebony too? Um, Of course. Yes, Ebony. I also went to, I went to USC. Oh my gosh. We should get checks. Um, I went to the <laughs> Stark program. <laughs> and or maybe they I, can
0: just take it, knock it off the bill of money oh my, I owe them. That's what
1: they should do. That's exactly <laughs> yes. what they should do. Knock it off this bill. Knock it off. Knock it off, USC. <laughs> you don't need my money. Um, so I 100% echo what Justin said. I, I, Told, I am a first generation um, American, so I just followed a lot of rules. I was like, I got to do it this way and the right way. And it took me a long time to realize that there are no rules. Nobody knows what they're talking about. And it's more about just going out there and doing it and learning on the job. Not to say that school is not important, um, because I met so many incredible people from there. And I was exposed to so many things. But to really embrace the experiential knowledge that you have and to never doubt that what you're bringing to the table is also just as relevant and, 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 and necessary and needed in the industry as well.
0: Amen. And yeah. I think film school is great, but I gotta say, I learned some of my biggest lessons after film school Correct. Um, and after school in general, So you tell us, Ebony, let us know what we need to learn, okay? Um, Okay, let's talk about, let's let's just talk about meeting each other. Let's talk about that.
1: Because Ebony also needs to know about that too. Because we didn't meet each other at film school.
0: We did not meet each other at film school and we did not meet each other on the set of Dear White People. That's right. Um, Where did we meet each other, DeHaley? Do you remember? Oh my God, I totally
1: remember. I was temping at a job. In Burbank, <laughs> The um, shall at, remain
0: nameless.
1: <laughs> that should be remain nameless. That has, uh, yeah, that has a, a, an animal as its symbol, and then oh. <laughs> um, I Panda was,
0: Express.
1: Yes, no, at Disney, <laughs> and I can say it. Nobody cares. Oh, yeah, I worked at 70- Disney
0: too. Oh, I really?
1: Go. Yeah. I yes, was,
0: I was a ride host operator.
1: Oh wow! I was do. I was like a manager of consumer products.
0: I was more temping important. there. <laughs> it, it was, was really
1: ridiculous. The, I, there was a lot of free, free swag, um, but it was so funny because I was doing this job and I was like making, in my mind, the most I had ever made it a temp job, and I and I had a title of manager and I loved it because again, yes. the Caribbean part of me needing those titles, and then I would drive to Beverly Hills to do that to do the the show with you, which was a uh, it was called Brain Food Daily at Participant Media, um, where we would be yes, kind of like Yes, for Yes, It's like a
0: little tongue-in-cheek, because is it like big fucking deal? Could that be what it means? Uh, right. No, it's Brain Food Daily. It's Brain Food Daily.
1: <laughs> and you saw me there, and you were like, I want you to be a part of this show. And I was like, oh my God, yes. And I immediately quit that temp job just to be a part of the the show. Because I really enjoyed
0: it. And and we were like... We were basically doing like an internet... It was before... It was before um, Participant launched Pivot TV. And mm-hmm. it was sort of like... We were on... You know... Participant is... If you're not familiar... It's a production company. They make movies and docs. But all of their movies and docs... And, and they made like Contagion. Speaking of oh, the moment, the pandemic we're it. in. They knew it. Um, all They knew it. They knew it. Um, all of their movies have like a social component to them. And so um, I was at the time... Helping launch a YouTube channel. This is when YouTube was really trying to expand uh, its reach and compete with you know traditional television. And yeah, we had like this uh, the show Brain Food Daily with news and, exactly. and from comedians. And 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 my thought was to have you guys come in and kind of write your own material, and we would do sketches. And you know, it was it, it was, was hard. Fun. I mean, but participant was it was like fun too.
1: Trying it was like the woke thing before woke was woke you know what i mean and i think that was like
0: i remember us having organic chicken on tuesdays um they
1: cared in the kitchen
0: they cared cared.
1: non-gmo no antibiotics free range organic chicken also i think that was like 2012 or 13 maybe
0: yeah, it must have. It was right before I, I quit. Frankly, to go and try to make the movie, dear white people. It was like right around that time. Do you see the theme?
1: We, we quit jobs for work that we like. We did.
0: Our own, that there was is a our lot theme. Of,
1: We loved it. There was a, a
0: lot of job quitting love in love that quit season for us. Yes. you you know i don't love to but i i it was time it was terrifying also yeah um but then but then we came to know each other again because uh one we kept in touch but um when it was time to do dear white people the series i had this idea of you know i was i always kind of shade the things i love in that show and i'm i was particularly obsessed at that time with you know, Ayanla's, mm. uh, Ayanla Van Zandt's Fix My Life. Whoa. And I was just watching it all the time. And everything that I watch all the time, the characters in the show tend to watch all the time. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I think we might have even asked Ayanla to come on the show and, you know, nobody knew who the who I was. And then I thought, like, you know who would take this to, like, a whole other level? Oh, my gosh. is this woman I remember, Haley Hall. She was on the show I did, BFD. And we called you... Um, I remember. I I forget. Wh- I forget who the direct. It might have been Barry Jenkins' episode, season oh, one. I think it was. It was
1: actually. It one hundred percent was. I was like, and
0: you guys were filming in my office, and I was like, down the hallway, and Barry had to come in to tell me to stop laughing because every take you did just completely destroyed me.
1: I've been an author, psychic, Yelp reviewer bus driver, former Yelp reviewer who got banned for using too many obscenities in a review for a children's theater, and a reader of half of one of Ianna Van Sant's books. I've done the work. And for some reason, these people have given me a show to help you do yours. That is <laughs> hilarious. Because can I just tell you the audition process for that as well? One, this is something you should never do, but... I did not watch Yama. I was, I already knew her. I had like in the meantime as a book and I was already aware of her, but I had not watched the show because I was like, you know what? I don't want to do, because I had done like, I had done mad, like mad TV and stuff. So where you're doing like parody of somebody, but I was like, I want to be her in what I think my spirit thinks she is. And then mm-hmm. so that I would feel unfettered to just be as ridiculous. As I want it to be. And then I remember doing it for Kim uh, Coleman and she was like, okay, great.
0: Our casting director. Your
1: casting director. And then Justin, I, when I got to set and I was like, Barry really let me, and this is before moonlight, but he was just such a warm spirit and let me just be ridiculous. And I remember leaving set like, these people must think I'm crazy. Like they're this lady. <laughs> what have I done to this lady? I am totally making her look like an insane person. And then I watched the show and I was like, "Oh my God. <laughs> I think he is actually even more extreme than me in some cases. So, oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I think so. I think so. I, I'm not saying in response to it, yeah. but I feel like since we made that, um, yeah, she's absolutely gone <laughs> further than Dorica. <laughs> But the thing that I loved about what you did is it wasn't an impersonation of a Yanla because I remember like I didn't want to make fun of what a right. Yanla was doing. I just wanted to do like a funny version, version of that in the world of in the world of dear white people that was speaking to you know stuff that Reggie had going on in that episode. And what I love so much is that it's so bonkers in such a specific way that like I remember actually meeting a Yanla. And in the back of my mind, being terrified that she hated me because of Dorika, Cause at that time, a few name drops in that first season, uh, it got back to me, like hated my absolute guts right. and wanted me removed from the human species. And I worry that she'd be one of them because I love her. And, um, and I just remember her coming up to me. And, she was like, Oh, I, I watch your show all the time. I put it on multiple TVs <gasps> in my house and just leave it on.
1: I love that.
0: And she, she said she does that with all the black shows. And I was like, Oh, God, that is just what I needed to hear. You are the um, black show well there was me and other black shows and she just has them on so that the energy is like I don't know conducting our way and I really freaking appreciate that and uh, but anyway I,
1: because let me just tell you not everybody I mean what we are saying to you lady by doing this is that we love you that's what we're doing we're not trying to shade you just because when we shout you out like that on dear white people or in general it's because you're top of mind you should see this as a compliment yeah. I hope that I can remember that if somebody really like starts a parody me like you will call back this conversation <laughs> like to Haley they love you and I'm like bitch no they don't what <laughs> yeah
0: okay so let's talk about you though let's talk about specifically me. what I want to get into Okay, I want to get into the NYU days. I want to get into the USC days. I want to get into the beginning at Mad TV days. Can we go there? Let's go there.
1: Hang? Let's go on our journey. Buckle up, everybody. So
0: buckle, buckle up.
1: up. So I came to NYU as a very sheltered private school, Catholic school um, girl, um, very black, but always, but yes. in the theoretical sense. Okay, because like my dad would like okay. no, because like I'm from a Haitian mom who loved to talk about how with machetes they killed everyone and they were the first and only successful black slave revolt. I mean that's a lot. That's a, like mm. you're like okay, um, that's a legacy. That's a legacy. And then my father's Jamaican and loved to quote Marcus Garvey. So all of that was like percolating, but I still was very like sheltered, very like in the pwi predominantly white institutions and i just really felt like all the ills of the world could be handled with like a sh- just a conversation and a sh- being like stop it stop it <laughs> so i loved going to new york because but in new york too i was kind of like still in this kind of wonderful ecosystem of people supporting an artist and and like, like everyone was like in it to win it. And, and it was love. It was like a conservatory and I learned how to give massages and like roll on the ground. Oh. I, it was really a lot. Can I just tell you to wow. be, because when my movement teacher was like, okay, we're going to get on the ground. And like, I was like the floor that we all walked in from and like move. It was, <laughs> do you understand? Like think about it. Like, And what was your major? I was a theater major.
0: Theater, theater major at At Tisch, right?
1: I was also in something called experimental theater wing. So we were Mm. the like rebel, wild kids of the bunch. So it wasn't. I expected to just be like doing scenes all day, but instead they were like make yourself into an animal. What would an animal move like? And I was like, what? You know, it was like, it blew my mind. And I I like learned yoga. I this, I didn't know that this was actually yoga, but I was like, this lady's making us do these things like sun salutation. I don't know what this is. And later I found out that that was yoga. And it was like, yeah. all of this was like <laughs> opening my mind.
0: And and how did the massages come in? Is the, there anything else about that that you want to I do to want to talk about it.
1: Our body is our instrument. Okay. So we would get into Mm -hmm. these big circles and, and one person would massage your back as you're massaging the other person's back. And we're just in the circle of massage, just like Mm. it was like a circle massage. Um,
0: Now I'm going to be really honest with you because I've been watching a lot of this show about cults (laughs) on um, Hulu and like, um, and it's like, and they go through like, you know, all of these cults in America and some of what you've heard of, like you've heard of, and this is, this show It's not my opinion, but on this show there was, they had the Jehovah's witness and they had like, you know, Nexium yes, and they the had Nexium like a few other things. It. And it was so, and it all, they always started with like an innocuous sort of a like massage. introduction to touch. Right. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was, sometimes it was a massage. Sometimes it was like, you know, just make a little video of yourself dancing for the leader. Like it always started very innocuously. And then it would become like full blown like child sex cult like
1: that is very true. But so
0: I'm glad to hear that it began and it It ended. It was a
1: movement class. It was also just warm up, and we would do that. And it was consensual. Um, Shout out to NYU (laughs) consent. Um, it was in broad daylight, um, and the, <laughs> <laughs> not that that not that it, things like that can't happen in in, uh, in that in broad daylight.
0: As opposed to narrow, daylight, narrow daylight, where all sorts of things skinny happen. skinny daylight. Then what what brought you to Mad TV? Well, I
1: have to tell you, I know this seems long-winded, but this is the reason why I was saying this. It was such a sheltered place. And then when I got out of Mm. NYU, I was like, I don't want to do anything but films. I don't like television because that's beneath me. I am an artist. It's either Broadway or films. And then right away, (laughs) this is is what happens when you're just like, (laughs)
0: like. There are two choices, Broadway or, or an Oscar? Oscar. What, which one's What's it going to be? going to be, you guys? What do you want to okay. do with
1: me? And because I, I'd done really well in school. And so then I got up to New York and then they were like, mm, we don't know what kind of to do with you as you black lady. And I was like, black lady? I'm a thespian. I'm not just black lady. Did someone call you a black <laughs> yes, lady? Yes, because casting directors look at you as a type. You're like, this kind of black yeah. lady, or that kind of black lady. And I did not know that, Justin. I thought I was just a thespian with an NYU degree and I could do it all. And so that's what got me doing stand up because I was like, oh, with stand up, at least I don't have to wait to get the okay from an audition that I got the part. I can just make my parts up, start doing that. And so I started doing stand up, doing different characters on stage. And then I was like, you know what? Being out here in these New York streets for a year is a lot. I think I need more school. Um, And I was like, (laughs) the key for me is learning the business. Once I learn the business at USC, uh, at the Peter Stark Producing Program for film and television, then I will be able to be in the films that I want. (laughs) There it is. Again, my naive self went to there and it was great. But I also was like, that's why I was telling Ebony, realizing like it's really all about like learning yourself. Cause I remember being in my film study class and I, I have told this story before and we were going to watch birth of a nation. And uh, I was like, Hey, uh, just want to let you guys know. um, This is going to be very triggering for me. Uh, Can we not talk about just DW Griffith's like deep focus after this and talk about how this movie, like, reignited the KKK and also started black independent cinema.
0: And I remember. Oh my God. Haley, you were speaking my language. Keep going. I love that you knew that already, by the way, at that time. Thank you.
1: And this was back in the day. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm not gonna say how old yes. I am, but you can unfortunately Google wants to put it out on blast and fuck them. 20,
0: twenty-four. Um, 24. 24. I'm twenty-four. You're twenty-four. Own I'm 24 it for
1: yourself. Okay. Um, but they. But then my my dean was like, "Oh my gosh, thanks for bringing that up." And this is my dean like like produced the Graduate, which is like one of my like I my parents love that film and I enjoyed it, and so I really looked. Uh, He's a very nice man. Um, But he was like, why don't you teach the class about that? And I was like, girl, I'm spending $35,000 a year, sir. I don't want to teach this class to all of my white classmates. This is not what I'm doing. Can you not hire someone? Also, I'm learning. And um, (laughs) what ended up happening was like, they just pulled the film. They were just like, all right, we ain't going to show it. And I got such...
0: White people they always do this. love
1: to do this. If it's too hard, just pull it.
0: They love to do this. Just take the Black character out, or just take the movie out, or just, just take it offline. It. Just, we don't want to have an about extended it. conversation Never happened. Never mind. Because a lot of people do not know this. I did not know this when I was shown Birth of a Nation in film mm. school, which is that not only... It's not like they made this movie... And all of America was like, this is the best movie ever made. And then like 50 years later, we're like, wait Ah. a minute. Is this racism? It wasn't like that. It came out. The president of the United States at the time was like, this is like uh, the history of the nation written with lightning was the first film shown in the White House. There were lots of people who loved it, but immediately the NAACP was in protest of it. Um, Lots of black people were in protest of it, and it actually spawned the career of Oscar Micheaux who was, you know, considered the first black filmmaker in America, but really he he also is, he created the the American independent exactly. film movement that we attribute to a bunch of white people in either the seventies or the nineties, depending on where you were taught. Um, but he, uh, you know, in response to this, there was an, there was a whole black version of Hollywood there with we had our own stars we had our own theater chains we had our own you know writers and directors and community and it, it was you know maybe around the 30s or the 40s when Hollywood said, but that's money that we want, though, and they sort of basically destroyed the black independent uh, uh, market and made movies like *Cabin in the* S- in the Sky and, um, you know, *Hallelujah* and these sort of early black musicals and you know filled with racist imagery and all this stuff. But it was a start, you know, got to start somewhere, and um, and those films are, are great and I think worth. Looking at, but nobody even knows about the all-black independent film community that existed before that. It's never talked about. It is never taught. You are never shown those and, films. And good for you but for knowing that. Let me tell
1: that. you, also, Justin. I was really tortured by that moment because one, he, when my, when the dean pulled the film. I was like, wow. Did then now I have missed this opportunity to educate these people on it? I didn't want to be the one to do it, but like I didn't expect him to just like scrap it, and now they don't really know. I mean, we sent it in an email, like this is what was happening, but that wasn't. Do you know what I mean? Like the weight of what was happening was like missed, and so then I was like, am I? it's that feeling like you have of like not always wanting to feel like you have to be this ambassador and this like knowledge center for everyone. It's like, come on, let's, we start doing the work, but then realizing if you refuse to do it, then somehow you've, um, you've missed an opportunity to, um, to, to educate like and, and like improve things, um, moving forward.
0: Here's the thing, you and I could literally talk for 15 hours.
1: I know. So I'm going to so I'm going
0: to do that thing that interviewers do where like I'm yeah. nudging you on, but I'm okay, I'm gonna I'm, you. I'm with I'm you, me. okay? Like I love everything that you're telling me, but I do want to know how you got to mad.
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you how I got to mad. Tell I it. got to mad by I do feel like I have to tell you this one tiny story. It's going to take 3 seconds. I was tell doing it. the round links doing the groundlings and i did not i was and i did not really move up at a a certain point i was doing well and then i stopped moving up and it was clear to me because i wasn't hanging out with a lot of the people and they just felt like could they trust me i wasn't like hanging out like we didn't know if you were cool is what i was told um and (laughs) i was like so devastated yes because i wanted to go to
0: Wait, you didn't get promoted because they didn't know if you were cool or not?
1: Yes, Justin. Do you see why I needed to tell you this Got part it. of okay. the story? <laughs> yes, because what Jesus. it's important in these kinds of institutions, these comedic institutions, they need, if you have, if there's a black person, they need to know that you're like, cool you know that you can like hang with them what does that mean what it means (laughs) is like that they don't feel like can they say the
0: n-word around you without you like flipping out is that like can we make racist jokes without you tripping is that what they mean it's more
1: like we don't want to feel like like we don't know we want to know that you're non-threatening we want to know that we we can go to a party and feel like you're gonna be our friend and then that we're like, you think we're good people. I, I have no idea what it was. Cause I had no wow. idea. It was a thing. I'm again, some of you guys from the groundlings could call me to tell me what you guys meant by that. But what was happening was <laughs> I remember it so succinctly. I, I did an amazing show. Cause the show is what gets you moved on into like, you know, like Sunday company and like their advanced thing. And they said to me, um, Oh my God, you're so funny and you're really nice. I just, we really wish we had known how cool you were. And I was like, what? Oh my and God. then when I didn't get pr- moved up, that's when I was like, oh, that's what they meant. They were like, if I had hung out, if I had gone to more parties, if I had accepted their invitations to like go get drinks. And the reason why I didn't go get drinks was because I was trying to make my own shorts. I didn't know me saying no. Was them you were busy? Yeah, was me like l- them being like they don't want to. Ha- she doesn't want to hang out with us because. Of what? But also, hanging out with people is not. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed. No, we but that's the whole what show. Hollywood is about. It's
1: about hanging out. It's about making friends. It's about people thinking of you as your their friends. And I did think of them as their friends, but I also thought me telling them I'm making a but short were- would make sense. Anywho's
0: it. Well, you're a, a I think what they meant is that you weren't white, so Correct. they weren't sure. They weren't sure. <laughs> if, well, they could, but the, if they could project onto your friendly channel. They
1: were shadow working. So the thing that <sighs> the thing that was the biggest like F you, but also the wonderful moment was go, self-submitting myself to Mad TV and booking mm. the like that was like I had that's everyone's goal when you go to like groundlings or UCB and UCB was another place where I was, I got to UCB be after being on mad TV and I still couldn't get on any of their teams. So anybody oh who is like, Oh, why can't they? It doesn't matter. Um, these people are not the gatekeepers. You, you just keep doing your own stuff, but yeah. So I self submitted a tape to like, um, and, um, this casting director, Nicole Garcia, shout out to her, really was like, I helped me. Um, she was like, you're really funny. I was pretending to be Oprah, in not even in my audition. I was just talking about her. And she was like, you have to put that in your huh. audition. And I got to work with um, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, who was playing Barack Obama at the time, because it was in 2008. Yes. And I met Jordan Peele, and I did some sketches with him. You
0: played his mom. I played his mom. You played his mom, mom. a sketch. Yes. Yes, you. We. I remember watching that in the room and just dying. <laughs>
1: it was so fun. And then he was in a sketch I actually wrote for the show too. He played a spoken word poet man that I was in love with. And yeah. Oh, wow, yeah.
0: that's so awesome. Well, I remember Mad TV very fondly. Um, because it was like, you know, it was like the next generation of In Living Color. And it was, it was for me at that time in particular, it was a lot cooler than SNL. And I was actually talking with um, with Brendan and Ali about this. It, it's like, I go back and I watch clips of SNL from that time period and I don't find them funny at all like I don't get the it's a very specific mm-hmm. kind of white intelligentsia Harvard graduated kind of funny that just really it didn't doesn't translate for me outside of the moment but those Mad TV sketches are still so freaking funny how how was it like on that show I mean I I just remember loving the show and and being upset that it didn't seem to get as much love as SNL
1: well it had a very similar trajectory of like what's happening with like Netflix and stuff in that it was one of the original shows on Fox. So it was still being licensed Mm. by David Saltzman and Quincy Jones. So Fox was like, Mm. are you going to share? And they're like, nope, we're good being independent. And they're like, okay then. Well, we don't have to promote you as much then. You know, it was like, that's the business of stuff. Oh, Mm -hmm.
0: my God. I'm putting a a
1: lot of tea out
0: there. No, I didn't. I didn't realize that that's what it was. I could never figure out why that show didn't get the same amount of love. It's mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah.
1: When you. Well, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so it
0: no, go ahead. No, all I was
1: going to say was it was such an amazing time to be on that show, but I, it was such a brief time too, because it was right in the middle of the writer's strike. So it was like, at I, you know, in, in one fell swoop, I became uh, a, a member of the union, the actors union, member of the writers guild reunion, and the show was put on hold because of a writer strike. It was like, Wah, rah, rah. Uh,
0: yes, uh. it
1: was a very, it, it was, a, and, and it was a tough time, like, like for several years after that, because Justin, what happened for me was like, Getting your own parking lot, I mean, parking space and your trailer and then getting press and like all this kind of stuff made you feel like for me anyways, I was like, this is the life. I want to do this all the time. And it almost made me forget, it did a little bit, my independent spirit. Like I just was then chasing, Mm. being accepted again by the industry, getting another audition like that. And I went the route of, um, I started waiting tables and because i was like that's what actors do there's nothing wrong with waiting tables but i just felt like that's what i need to do and when my big break comes back again and i remember like bringing jordan peele to his table Woo! <gasps> oh what okay inside. we're gonna pause. we're
0: gonna we're gonna pause right there because we're gonna come back and you're gonna tell that story right after this okay. break Okay, we are back. We left in the middle of a juicy tale. Oh my God. So you were on Matt, you were on Mad TV. Correct. You were there with Ian Peel, Jordan yeah. Peel, Keegan Michael. And after Mad TV ends, I'm a host. You are now waiting tables. I'm a host. You're a host. At
1: this point, I don't think I was even waiting. I was a host. I was a host.
0: You were a host mm-hmm. at a at restaurant. A restaurant. And in walked Jordan Peele. How'd that go?
1: In walked Jordan Peele, and um, I was I was at Little Dom's in Los Feliz, and I was like, "Hey!" And I, I was able to do the most for him, get him a booth. You know, that's the the power that I wielded. Um, yeah, you know, and he was like cool about it, but I could tell it's kind of a lot. I think it's like, you know, like you're like, wow, this was my castmate. I'm now having my own show. And the thing that's so funny is, and this is now what I've learned to do, but I didn't have that skill set. In that moment, I could have been like, Jordan, look, I am still out here and I would like to send you my stuff and I would love to be on Key and Peele. And I, you know, I'm funny and it, it would have been fine. But instead I came into full shame cycle. And so then he had to Mm. deal with me in a shame cycle. And so there was no way to like move and like actually progress my career long. And so for a long time, I was in a shame cycle that did not advance my career. And um, I just think Let's break that
0: down because- well one I appreciate you bringing this up because this is hard stuff to talk yeah. about and and you know this shame cycle that you talk about I think is so familiar to me anyway yeah. um you know, I think that that period of time when you know you've got something, you know you have something and people are responding to it, but you haven't quite figured out how to translate that into paying your rent or, you know, progressing in a career way or whatever. I mean, I, I certainly was in that mode for so many years and it can be really hard to motivate oneself mm-hmm. during that quote unquote mean time period. Yes. You know, we're going back to Ayanla yes. here. Um that's actually when I bought that book. I was in a, a meantime myself. Um, what 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 was that experience like? What got you through it?
1: Well, it was there were a couple of things, and I, it also happened also with Ava DuVernay too. I she had just been doing Selma, and I was doing the line at UCB, meaning people like taking tickets, and she was like, "Oh, to Haley, are you performing?" Because she was like a. Um, a I had known her as a publicist and I was like, yes I am. And, but you just missed my show. And I ran inside and I was like, I can never go back outside again. And that was another shame cycle. And the thing that got me out of it. And I think you you and I both are Buddhists, um, was like, I started really like chanting, practicing in earnest because in our practice, it's like, you have the Buddha nature within you. There's no one above you or below We all have it and we all have that. And I started to realize that I was putting people on pedestals. Like I was like, Jordan is high. Ava's too high. I'm low. Like I was doing that. And I was like, no, I am a, a person of worth. Like whether or not I have this job or what have you, I still have value. And it took me, like I had to like really kind of remember the tenets of that, even though I was practicing it, I wasn't actually living it in my own life and spirit. And so then I was like, if you really believe that to Haley, then you can then reach out to these people as your friends and colleagues and be like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And that's exactly what happened with you. I was like, Justin, I've written something. I know I'm on the show, but would you, and it took me a long time, by the way, I think I talked to you about this. Like we had dinner we yes. had dinner, and I still talked myself so out of it. Just
0: to, just to set the table for everybody, so DeHaley Haley and I, um, and her lo- lovely husband, and my partner Rick, we all had dinner one night. And this was after season two. No, this was after season three. And you'd yeah. been, you know, in three seasons of the show. Uh, and yeah, you started talking to me about the potential for writing, but I didn't think that you were even that into it at the time. Like I didn't quite know. <laughs> if you wanted to write for the show, I
1: couldn't tell yes. at the time. <laughs> Cause the shame part came but in happen- too. It like came in. I was like, Oh my God. I, he's thinking like he's, he, I'm begging him for a job. It's he's awkward. He's going to feel awkward. I'm his friend. And now I'm like putting him in this awkward position. It was so insane. Like this is what the shame and weird cycle happened. And then I again had to like recognize. And I was like, no, Justin is a smart, capable person. He has been able to, he will read my material like everybody else. And if he feels like it works for his show, he will bring me on the show. And if he doesn't, that's okay. Like none of it is like, I'm not doing anything to harm him by asking him to consider me. And I had to like literally have this conversation with myself and then be like, fuck it. I'm doing it. Justin can I send you something? And then you were like, yeah. And then when you answered like that, I was like, wow, I have really been tripping. I really have to keep stopping myself from going into that place because you were so receptive. And I realized all of it was in my head.
0: Isn't that funny how we have these like ongoing conversations in our heads with Mm -hmm. ourselves and like representatives of other people in our imaginations, like I, I mean, it's like it can be constant, I think, for most people. Yes. And then and it has nothing to do with reality. And we find nope. that out and then we go right back to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right back to it. It's like we learn the lesson and then we forget the lesson again.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, I, yeah.
0: I, I like to, I like to talk about this, too. I, I like to talk to this about talk about this with in particular people who are in comedy, because there is this very common thing that you find where you know, in comedy, people's lives are really split. There's an onstage mm-hmm. persona, uh, which is a which is them. It's absolutely them. It's like kind of like the best of them. And then offstage, yeah. like what we kind of lovingly call often in the room, the shadow, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the shadow yeah. sort of like needs to find a place to live, too. And so that's what people encounter, you know, when you sort of when, you know, all those stories of meeting a comedian, and they're not they don't want to be funny. They don't actually want to talk to anybody and they're assholes and they're mean. And they're, you know, there's these, you know, dual lives. You are a person who is funny all of the time. I have to say, and I, and I'm just, I wonder like, you know, how does, how does your shadow self operate? Are you on all the time? Are you, are you laughing all the time? Are you like, what, is there an off stage to Haley? I haven't met
1: you. Ramil, my husband would, and, Would beg to mother freaking differ. This was us. This this is me. This all this morning. He's like, "Why are you so sad? Why are you so sad today? Can you tell me why you're sad?" This is (laughs) you. This is you
0: talking to Ramil.
1: (laughs) This is this is him talking to me today. (laughs) Today, whatever day we're shooting, we're recording this. He's like, (laughs) he's like, (laughs) we wake up and he's like, "Why are you so sad?" And I was like, I don't know why I'm sad. He's like, but I'm just, well, why? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just sad. And then the thing is, I <laughs> but think, but why? Well, why? I'm sad. And the thing, I think what happens is I knew I had this to do this recording with you today. <laughs> no, that's not what made me sad. But I was just like- and you were
0: depressed over that. I get it.
1: No, it was like, almost like my inner body of like, energy, love, light, laughter was just like in stasis and like I guess my oh. shadow of like other feelings, like overthinking analyze was like, well, I know you're gonna be laughing and stuff and checking it up with your good friend Justin. So can we just have the morning to just make you sad? and then Ooh. we'll leave and then you can just laugh it up with your friend. Um,
0: I love that. And I love, I love that Ramil called you on it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, by the way, I, I started listening to this book on tape. It's called passionate marriage. And, um, I highly recommend it. But one of the things that that he talks about and it's it's he means marriage in a kind of hypothetical sense. So it's for married people, but it's for anyone in a long term relationship, really. And he talks about how partners in long term relationships are almost perfectly designed, uh, even when they piss us off or when we piss them off. Like partnerships like by themselves sort of make us better people because they they make us look at parts of ourselves that otherwise we would we would you know, run away from and hide away from. And that scene between you and Ramil is the exact scene between me and Rick, except, the, you know, in in the roles were reversed last night, but they, they easily go back the other day where one of us is like, are you okay? Are you okay? Stop yeah. talking to me, I'm, fine. I'm great. You am know, great. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, no, this is, this is all very healthy. Oh my God, um,
1: that is exactly it. Are you okay? <laughs> Should be the shirt we wear. Hi, are you okay? <laughs>
0: Yes, I'm fine. Exclamation mark. Um, I know. Well,
1: I how I appreciate you, you asking that because it's true. I, I I don't think though. I do also feel like those other comedians who are like real assholes and very like ugly people. I also think that sometimes I I shouldn't be judgmental about it, but I sometimes think maybe and their humor is coming from that place that is very ugly and dark as well. Um, mm. I my humor is never been from there it's it comes from my own like shame and pain and stuff like that but it's never like to like hurt someone you know what i'm saying so yeah
0: okay so now we've we've come to the portion um we've come to the portion of our podcast Oh my god. where I know this is a lot of pressure. Daily. So much pressure. It's a lot. So okay. this is a section called at someone where I ask my guests to shout out, you know, a creative or someone on, on you know, whether it's their username or just their name, name that the rest of us should be checking out and, and, and enjoying in some way. Who, who's that for you? No pressure. Okay. But just a little I, no bit of, of unyielding pressure.
1: Unyielding pressure. Um, I'm, I'm a part of a book club. And uh, we're now reading some horror. And I usually do not like horror. But we've been reading Tanana Reeve. Um, and mm-hmm. Reeve Do is her name. And we're reading The Good House. And she's, uh, it's been really incredible. I've been like a huge fan of Octavia Butler. So if you have not read her, you should be doing that. But I just love seeing Black women in sci-fi and in horror and these spaces trying to bring like new dimension and um like bringing our work that's like historical or whatever but then exposing it to a bigger like context um because 2020 and what happened with rihanna taylor the fact that people are still not arrested for the like all of them yeah that's a horror show like we are living in a living horror and so the fact that we can now, as um, women and people of color, write these horrors um, and put them out as a way to excise and expose and educate, I think is really powerful. And what was the name of that novel again? The Good House.
0: Okay, and... The Good House by Anne Leary?
1: <laughs> no. Her name no. is... Oh, it's Kanaan reeve Dew. Okay, so, spell
0: so, that because when I googled the good house, a white woman popped up named no, Anne Leary, no. and he, she seems lovely, do. but that's not what you're. <laughs> that's
1: not they do. I do you. No, T A N A N A R I V E. So Tanan arrive. Do is how it. Um, and do and like. there
0: is a white woman that wrote a book about a house as well. You can read that if you want, but that is not who DeHaley was talking do about, that. just so you're clear.
1: And she, and she teaches at UCLA and she does a, a show of a thing on black horror. And she starts with even like, you know, D.W. Griffith, because that was like a first mm. horror film that was about us. And yes. um, and then takes it all the way to you know get out and us and and she chronicles it and then it was really incredible to see kind of like what uh, what was happening um, in those um, films. Uh, so she's written a book called um, The Good House, and she also has a, I think she's a showrunner on something that relates to like black sci fi. Really, um, yeah. Uh, that's
0: cool. I also I also feel like shouting out Xavier Bergen, who has um a, a documentary on Shutter called I think it's called Horror Noir. Of course, yeah. now I'm forgetting. I think that's what it's called, and it's really great. And it also, you know, it begins that's the her. story She's of
1: the EP of that.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Oh my god! What a what a small little sh- on the
1: doc, Horror Noir on Shutter. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. 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 So. Oh, cool! Yeah, the the director of that um, has become a good friend of mine. Um, so that's that's really cool, and it's uh, a yeah, it's time. a great doc. And it, that's so full. So that's so wild. It's a great doc, and it, it draws the line between Birth of a Nation, but also things like King Kong, things like you don't even realize were racial to the audience that saw them at the time, but were. Um, i King Kong And it's, was a, it's a really interesting. Yeah. I mean, black people know, but like white people don't know.
1: They don't know. Yeah.
0: (laughs) They don't always know. Um, Okay. So now we have come. I'm actually sad that we've come to the end of the podcast because I love talking to you. um, (laughs) But we have come to the don't at me section. Okay. Where I'm going to ask you three questions. Yes, You can only say don't at me to one of them. And I have to tell you, I normally give softball questions that people answer all three to. But the last time I did this, mm. the guest used a don't at me. So it might get real. I don't know, DeHaley. I don't know how this is going to be for you. But are you ready?
1: I'm ready. I'm ready.
0: Fantastic. Okay. <clears throat> First question. What is the most embarrassing moment that you've had in the Dear White People's writer's room?
1: Ooh. Okay. Okay. Wait. Should I hear the rest of them?
0: No, that's the first, no, you can, you can, you, you're gonna hear them one at a time, but you only have one okay, donut meter you can use.
1: Moment. So uh, my most embarrassing moment was I was recording an audition in my car during like our break. And um, it's <laughs> not even that embarrassing. It was more like embarrassing for me, but I came back and I realized people had done the Starbucks order and not included me. And I was so motherfucking hurt. I was like, I would totally have been like, where is so-and-so? And I was like, you all talk a good game, but couldn't recognize that I was in my car and you missed the-. and it was so funny because Jack was like, oh my God, DeHaley, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine, Jack. No, I'm fine. And he was like, ah! <laughs> He's like, I'll get you the, the order. And then like his assistant, Sarah was like, we can make you something. It was so crazy. And I inside of my mind, I was like, stop being upset. And then later I went into Jack's office and I was like, I'm sorry for getting so upset. And then cried. Um, so you didn't my- cry, Dehay. Because I was mad that I got mad. And when you get mad that you're mad for me, I cry about it. I'm like, damn, oh. I'm so mad that I was mad. And then I such cry a again. treat I even
0: happy. when you're reading someone for filth it's enjoyable I just want you to know that
1: I was embarrassed question number two
0: okay yeah right um what what movie or TV show oh, okay. from the past let's say yeah. 10 years okay right. we'll get tw- 20 years anything 20. after the year 2000 <clears throat> would have been better, better if you were the lead instead
1: oh. oh my god i love this Prelude. question so motherfucking much um insecure <laughs> i'm just joking no, okay, wow. no i'm <laughs> kidding like so please don't at me no i'm kidding I, I i i'm just joking though the reason why i'm saying that it's uh um is because it's i knew it would make you jump out of your chair um but um, also, the show is, is very, is not about like Insecure in that way. These people are fabulous and looking jazzy. I'm still very awkward. I would probably have been more of the awkward black girl person.
0: Um, wow, so you're sticking with Insecure.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not yeah. because I do not want yeah. the wrath of bl- black Hollywood to come after me. No, But I no other think-
0: answer has been given.
1: <laughs> I'm going to give it to you right now. I think I would have done Much better as the show. Um,
0: (laughs) I think I
1: would. Oh, I know I would be better. Um, as the show, um, as Seinfeld, I could have been a better Jerry Seinfeld in living in New York, living my best life. (laughs) What? I think would that's valid. Would this be called
0: Seinfeld?
1: It would be called Hall. And <laughs> it would just be called DeHaley. And I would have a racist Kramer next door. It would have a different vibe. I would be so like- So it wouldn't be anything
0: like Seinfeld at all. It would just be a no, different it show. It would be a different show. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I'm here for that. Um yeah. Okay. Last don't at me question you're doing very well you have not said don't <laughs> at me yet What is your most unpopular opinion right now? Ooh
1: What is my most unpopular opinion? <laughs> um <laughs> Uh I was going to say my most pop- unpopular opinion is probably like we should forgive Kanye
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay, let's get I into think, that for a little
1: bit. Yeah, I think what happened was, this is my now, my new theory about Kanye. I feel like he was writing for black people when it wasn't really cool. You remember Katrina? He called I people do. out. George, Bush, you
0: do George Bush doesn't care about black doesn't people. doesn't care about black
1: people. And the vitriol, not only just from whites, but blacks as well. Then whites. you saw... Then you saw his mother pursuing plastic surgery, dying for that. And then he also saw him trying to ride for his best friend's wife, Beyonce, when she was robbed at an award show and being like, she's robbed. Don't we all see it? And And, and you're right.
0: And at that moment, Mm -hmm. I'm with you because at that moment, everybody, including me, we were like, "Okay, that's not how I would have handled that. But I he's not wrong, guys. Like he's there's not no wrong. He I was detected writing. no lies.
1: And he went into the full sunken place after that. He's like, I am writing for black people and they are not having my motherfucking back. And I'm now going full bore onto the other side. My mother wanted plastic surgery. Now I'm going to be with the lady who has the most plastic surgery. I'm going to Ooh. be with the, the, the family that uh, is most um, uh, like commodifies black culture because I feel like I've been commodified and I feel like that is where the break happened. Like I really do. And so he's, you know, that's where I think it's happening.
0: Haley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um,
1: it's 80 like minutes go- we've been talking. What are you going to We've been do?
0: talking. I don't know. Are I think gonna I'm just going to like go to sleep. And... It?
1: Do it. Sorry. No.
0: Well, I don't know what's going to... I mean, we kind of just chatted for the first 10, so I don't know what's going to okay. happen. But um, you know, I think people will appreciate it. So really okay. quick, though, before we go, yes. I want you to give a note to self. One yes. thing that you would tell yourself, either when you were starting out or when you were coming back after the mad TV of it all. Tell me who you'd like to talk to and what you'd like to say to her.
1: Oh, thank you, Justin. I would say, hey to Haley, you're okay. Really, just be easier on yourself. I know you have a lot of dreams and goals, but you're going to get there. The biggest thing that I want you to do to Haley is be nice to yourself and just appreciate yourself even when things aren't happening. Because... You're a good person.
0: Oh, that's lovely. I hope you can listen to that, self, to that self in the present day. I know it was a word for me as well. Thank you so much to Haley. Where can people at you? What social media are you on? Um, let the people know how to follow you.
1: Thank you so much, Justin. I am on my Instagram is De Haley, D-A-H-E-L-I-T-V. And I think I have to change that because nobody knows how to spell my name. And I need more followers, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> um, and some lady <laughs> who doesn't even post has my actual name it's very frustrating oh. um, I've been trying to pay her to give me my name back and she is not responding she lives in Brazil um, so DeHaley on oh, Twitter it's just at DeHaley um, so yeah please you know, hit me up on those spaces
0: you love it DeHaley I love you so much thank you for joining me Thank you for listening. And if you love the show, please leave us a rating and a review. And please, at me, your host. I actually do want to hear from you guys. It's at Justin underscore Simeon on Instagram. Also follow Culture Machine, our production company at Culture Machine Co. on Instagram. Credit today goes to Jason Smith, the CEO of Starburns Audio. Jessica Gutierrez, our audio engineer. Judith Cargbo, our production coordinator. Chris Bowers did the theme song. Dominic German did Incidental Music. And thank you, Aliyah Jihad and Brendan Smith, for producing on behalf of Culture Machine. See you next time. A podcast network.